I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. School of Humans. Wowie, wowie, wow, wow, wow. It's another episode of Cadaver Gals, the show where we talk about all the ways people have died throughout history. I mean, the weird ways. They're weird ways people and also sad and also sometimes other types of ways. They're dying in ways. I'm one of your hosts, Gabby, along with Taylor. Hi. And Nika. Hi. Incredible. Great highs, everyone, today. Great work. Um, Today we're going to hear... All sorts of things. Um, there's going to be a lady who dies not once, but twice. I guess she had to stick around or whatever. Overachiever. And then Sorry. Honestly, an overachiever. <laughs> overachiever. She's like, you know, 20% of a cat. She, her life wasn't done yet. Another hashtag girl boss, probably. Um, and we're also going to hear about a Texas millionaire who was murdered and also owned a wax museum, um, which is always freaky and fun. Uh, some cool, hot trigger warnings for today. We got murder, poison, suicide, being buried alive, mm, arson, and just wax figures that are creepy. So um, cue the music. Enjoy this episode. Be there in just a second. Okay, meet you on the other side of the music. Bye. Sad accordion music playing. Okay, get silly, everyone. We're silly. Everyone's silly. Um, we're silly, and we will never not try to do the theme music. We're just very predictable. I think. Right. And hot. Nika's always hot. Jeez Louise. But you also last time called us smelly and stinky or however many episodes like, ago. Aww, Three episodes and smelly. ago. But Taylor has a very great a- eyeliner on today. So you win the eyeliner prize that I was going to give out. Well, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, lately Taylor's been looking really good at meetings and it's making me want to step my game up and I feel threatened. It's because I've been going into the office and seeing people from the outside world which occurred to me i think it's actually pretty funny because it's not like like it's not like i'm doing it for my co-workers i'm doing it for the people in the building that i work in you know yeah. like, i don't even really come across yeah. it come <laughs> so it's very strange anyway yeah 
Well, I'm uh, setting my alarm for, you know, 9.58. I wake up and then go to my 10 o'clock meeting. And, you know, it's always 10.01 when I arrive, you know, because there's traffic from my bed. It's not shameful. It's efficient. Shameful. It's efficient. Okay. Well, I guess we should talk about death, I suppose, um, since that is the premise of the show. And Taylor is going to tell us the tale of the hashtag girl boss who died twice. Okay, yeah. So we're going to talk about a lady named Marjorie McCall. Marjorie. Bad name. Sorry. Oh, I think it's a great name. Marjorie? Marjorie Marjorie? McCall. That sounds like a soap opera name. Marjorie sounds like a southern ghost. I like it. What's wrong with a southern ghost, Nika? Yeah. Nothing's wrong with that. I just like not ideal name, you know? Oceania (laughs) is the ideal name for me. (laughs) Okay. Okay, well, you... You no longer get an opinion of all names. names. (laughs) What? Okay. Uh, Marjorie McCall, she was an Irish lass. Wow. Lassie, married to a man named John McCall, who was a doctor, and they had a few kids. As far as I know, they're a one big happy family until one day, as it would happen in 1705. Various illnesses would just take over, and they didn't know how to, like, get better from them. They didn't have the medicine, modern medicine that we have today. And so poor Marjorie got some sort of cold and died. Wow. Oh. Bummer. So, the end. Okay, the coming end. up on the next <laughs> section. No, okay. So her husband, a doctor, he was like, science is real. So he's like, we need to bury her quickly so her corpse doesn't get everyone else sick. So he's like, we need six feet apart from her quickly. So Six feet? Yeah, six feet under, you know? Six feet oh, apart. Oh, I thought we were doing a six foot quarantine situation but you mean yes under underground the ground yes i get it yes so during this time there was a lot of grave robbing going on especially in like the first few nights because like the soil's like you know looser than it would be after a few years or whatever and when you think of grave robbers you think of people stealing jewelry you know or whatever somebody's buried with but there were all there was also this thing going on at the time where Med students or these people were, I guess, the middleman. They would take the fresh bodies from the ground and then use them in med school to, like, learn from the cadavers. But that's not what happened here. Don't you worry. They were just here to steal some jewelry. So often... Nika was very... Nika was like, wait, hold on. Med students. Most Med students are freaks. Med students are freaks. I love how you went, sometimes they steal jewelry, but med students sometimes... But they actually stole jewelry. But they actually (laughs) stole jewelry. jewelry What a great... Yeah, good job, Taylor. No, it's a good fun fact for leading. It's like a tease leading into Mm -hmm. what I'll talk about later. mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. then also, I mean, maybe med students just wanted jewelry. Maybe it was both, you know? They, they want to look med pretty. Med students don't have a lot of money, you know? They're just they're still just students. Though I feel like these students would have because they would have, like, because they have to, like, buy the bodies from the people who, like, dig up the bodies. That's true. That's true. So these might be some mega rich med students. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, Marjorie's family, they were, they were, they didn't check on the grave. They typically, at this time, people would like sit by the grave and kind of monitor it to make sure this sort of thing wasn't happening. But Marjorie's family did not. They were sad at their houses, not by her grave. So that night, grave robbers went where Marjorie was buried. And she had this beautiful ring, which her husband had tried to like take off. He was like, oh, you know, I want her ring like in remembrance or whatever, but it was stuck on her finger. So he was like, oh, never mind, I guess. Awkward. <laughs> so they're, I mean, yeah. didn't they have butter back then? You could just butter up her hand and, you know, get it off, right? That's how you get things off, grease you know, it up. You know what actually works really well? Did they have butter in 1705? I'm pretty yeah, sure they had sure. butter. Okay, cool. <laughs> But, you know, they probably didn't have that is very, that actually works, is Windex. Mm. My mom had, like, a ring stuck on her finger and went to this jeweler and they sprayed her finger with um, Windex. I almost said just Xanax. Just saliva. <laughs> with Xanax. Why didn't he just suck his dead wife's corpse's finger? <laughs> okay, Nika, <laughs> leave it to you. So, anyway, I digress. 
long story short, she had a really pretty ring, very nice and expensive ring. So these guys go down to to get the ring from her, but it's stuck, as you remember. So one of the guys is like, hey, man, you got a knife. I'm going to need to cut her finger to get the ring. He's like, yeah, I got you. And so they start to cut off Marjorie's finger to get the ring. Well, Marjorie wakes back up. She's like, apparently she had this whole time really just been in a coma. And when the grave robbers start to cut her finger off, she woke up and was like hella confused. Um, uh, yeah. As were the grave robbers. Now, I've read actually two, there's like two different versions. So you can pick your favorite. I have my favorite, but I think it's not as likely. So the first one is the two robbers were so shocked that they just died on the spot. <laughs> but a lot of people also are like, that's probably not what happened. And they just like ran away like, oh, my God, what just happened? She just woke back up. So anyway. Yeah, I like the part where they died. That was funny. I like that. <laughs> well, I mean, like karma, I guess. Like, stealing from the dead, and then the dead wakes up, and then you die. Anyway, so... But is this how people should, you know, wake up coma people in the future? Do people do that now? Just try to cut their fingers off and see if they wake up? There's you know, always some, like, coma drama, and they never can wake up or whatever. Yeah, it's seemingly they should just do a little cutty-cut on their finger, because we have the technology and the know-how to sew it back wonder- up. I wonder if the husband would have sucked the finger if that would have woken her up prior to. Okay, Nika's like this. (laughs) Nika. I mean, continue. I also like how they were probably like, I mean, Ireland at the time, I guess they were still Catholic, not the Puritans, but I don't know. I feel like Catholics would be more likely to suck fingers than the Puritans, right? Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. So anyway, Marjorie also is confused as all get out. She's like, what is happening? She's like, I need to go home and like check with my husband and see what's going on. So she goes over there. Her husband. <laughs> she's just like, oh, hold up. She's just like, <laughs> she's like oh, I got to go home. Out, gets out of her coffin, dirt on her feet, like a ghost-like person and then just goes up to the house and check but on her husband. But where would you go? I would go home, too. I mean, I would go home, too. I'm just, like, saying how ridiculous this story is. And I'm not saying that it's not true. I'm just saying how ridiculous it is. Well, especially you're saying in such, like, a casual way. She's just like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll just, just go home now. Home. This isn't my home. She was like, I reject this home. Like, what if you woke up? I guess it would be really hard to like that speech. Like, how would what would you say to someone like after they thought you were dead? Just be like, yo, like, what would you do? Because I feel like that's a big opportunity there. You could say well, all sorts of freaky things. Let's like, see. What did she say? What did she say? <laughs> okay. So um, her husband and kids were actually sitting by the fire inside. They were like by the fireplace or whatever. And they were like all sad and everything when they hear a knock at the door. And the dad's like, y'all, I swear if we didn't just bury your mother, that is her knock. Like, that is her. And so, <laughs> which I know what he this means. It's like a Scooby-Doo episode. I know what he means, though. People have a particular knock and walk. Like, people, you know. Um, so he opens the door and, like, there she is. The same clothes that they buried her in and blood dripping down her hand. So I actually don't know what she said because no one said anything. Um, but I like, ass- ow, my hand. I assume, yeah, it went something along the lines of, so I was just having a coma. And then these guys came in, cut my finger. I woke up. They ran off or they died. Not sure which. And then I came home to be like, what happens? Fa- not father, husband. <laughs> Father, what Daddy. happened? Daddy. <laughs> yeah, it could have been daddy, you know. Maybe anyway. she was mad that they buried her, though. Like, I'd be a little pissed if someone buried me by accident. I would, too, especially if your husband's a doctor. A doctor? Yeah, exactly. honestly. I'd be Yikes. like... Mm-hmm. He sounds like a hack. Yeah, well, this was 1705. Someone so, revoke his medical license. Okay, I'll get on that. Thank so, you. So, anyway... She, shortly after that, her husband actually died, and she remarried, <laughs> had more children, and then eventually she passed away again, and her tombstone now reads, Marjorie McCall lived once, buried twice, 
And that is the story of Marjorie McCall. Now, there is a lot of speculation on whether it's true or not. There are historians who did the study, like studied it or whatever, tried to determine if it's true or not. And there, there are people out there, they're like, no, this actually happened. Like, there's no reason. I mean, it's kind of like a folklore, but at the same time, there are historians out there that are like, no, I'm pretty sure this did actually happen. It's very plausible that all of these things went down that way. Yeah, I don't think it's that crazy. I've heard crazier. Wait, did her tombstone say lived once, married twice, or died twice? Buried twice. Buried. Oh, buried. I thought they were going to say Such a cool married. tombstone. She was married twice, though. Well, I think, yeah, I just feel like that would be a woman's life, though. It's like, this bitch came back and like, was buried <laughs> twice, but they're like, no, we're going to talk about the married part. How you know? yeah, the she big married deal again. was, exactly, yes. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks, Taylor, for telling us all about uh, Marjorie, not Oceana. What was the name you liked? Oceania. What Oceania. I have always wanted to name my future children if I ever have children. All of them? You're going to name them that same name? Oh, <laughs> yes. Oceania 1, Oceania 2. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Oh Doesn't matter because gender is performance anyways. Okay. Woohoo. Okay. Thanks, Taylor. We'll be right back talking more about uh, some grave robbing. Pew, pew, pew. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold Blooded The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Okay, welcome back to Cadaver Gals. Wow, Marjorie McCall died twice. Hashtag girl boss, truly incredible. And as Taylor alluded to, those medical students, um, that was a thing. Can confirm, Taylor, you weren't gaslighting us. That Ooh. was a thing that happened. Um, okay, so people are snatching bodies. They're trying to get them because basically you'd have these grave robbers um, which were often called like resurrectionist. Ooh, fun name. What a way to make that sound less shitty. Yeah, I'm a resurrectionist. Guys. I'm not a robber. Uh, who that sounds like kidnaps bodies. That literally sounds like an Imagine Dragons spinoff band. <laughs> Resurrect. <laughs> well, also, I mean, also they were called like the body snatchers too. Which you know, we're snatching bodies. That's like a sexy grave robber, right? But yeah, the heyday for this to happen was like the 18th and 19th centuries. So let's go to the UK and talk kind of what happened there. So what what had happened was that in 1752, they passed the Murder Act, which meant instead of having executed people's bodies on display, because that's often what they would happen. It's like you get executed and then we're going to like just show people your body. <laughs> so it's extra Ew, bad. What they said. Rude. What they said in 1752, because there was this like huge increase of like medical studies at this point, a lot more anatomists. They're like, hey, when you execute people, now you can have a public dissection or you can just have the body for, you know, private dissection, whatever kind of dissection you want to have. Private dissection? That, that sounds, sounds nasty. I feel like there, yeah, there needs to be also somebody sexy, supervising. Gonna, no, somebody needs to be supervising. I'm going to text my partner. I want to privately dissect you. Okay. But the thing is... Even after that happened, because there had been this explosion of medical science, even after that, they're like, we still don't have enough bodies. We need more bodies. They should have gone to France. France had so many bodies. Did the Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, Paris, the catacombs. Oh, yeah, they should have gotten those. The problem with those, though, is that they had been rotted, though. You need, yeah, fresh, need fresh bodies. Ones. You need fresh. That's why you would only have to guard your loved one's graves for a few days, because after that, then they're like, nah, we don't really want that anymore. The medical students specifically. Picky. So I know, picky and pretentious. So picky. What the Honestly, heck? they want a fresh body just so they can like, it can be more like a realistic body so that they can figure out how to like heal people. Ugh. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they probably learned some stuff on this, right? On these bodies, on these cadavers, right? I mean, they were trying to learn stuff. I mean, that was the point. It wasn't just like a, I mean, it is kind of a weird hobby being a doctor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> suggesting anyone does that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so people, they still, they want more bodies. They need more, even with all the grave robbing and all the shit like that. It got so out of hand that there were these two dudes who just, what they did instead of just like body snatching, what they, they just started murdering people. You know, they just okay. were like, hey, you know, these, this anatomist, this bro, he needs some bodies. So why don't we just kill people? Oh you know, take gosh. out. It's like we don't even have to dig someone up. You know, shoveling can be really hard. They're like, we're just going to kill them. So it was these two Williams. There's William Burke and William Hare. And they killed over the course of 10 months in 1828. They killed 16 people and sold them nice and fresh. Okay, nice, fresh corpses for the medical people. They actually came up with a verb. It was like if you. It was a verb to mean like if you were murdered in order to be provided to like medical people, you got burped. Oh, oh my God. Wow. That is bad. That's bad. Two questions. One, I forgot the second one, so we'll see. <laughs> um, how much were they selling? Oh, I remember it now. How much were they selling them for, A? And B, how are they killing them? Because I feel like... Did, like, suffocation the no breathe they, well some of them were suffocated and like some of them were like well you know maybe she was already suffocating and then they just helped her on suffocating so i feel like choking out people was like a pretty good way to kill people so you could still like preserve most of the body because mm -hmm. obviously if you like stab them you know that's Their not innards really come to be outards yeah the inner are out become outards messy, and you can't too messy yeah you can't like study them very well so Choking was one way that they did it. And in terms of the price, I don't know exactly, but it does seem like a pretty good price. This seems pretty good. Like people were making livelihoods off of like body it, like, snatching. It was the med students, like not like 
No, it wasn't the med students. They it were was, the med students were like buying the bodies. Um, or it was like, you know, any sort of like medical practitioner would buy the bodies. Yeah. It was just other people who were like, mm, this is my job. I snatch the bodies and give it and then sell them, basically. What a what a job. What a job. Jobs just like aren't what they used to be, honestly. Anyway, so um, William Burke, he ended up getting executed after they caught them. And then his body was uh, given to dissection. So Good. I was hoping so. Yeah, very appropriate. And so watch out for getting burked. That literally sounds like, oh, you've been punked. <laughs> you've been burked. <laughs> <laughs> then like the, the law people, people in charge of the law, they were just like, <laughs> hey, well, maybe we should do something about this body situation because it seems to be getting a little out of hand with people just like murdering people. Um, so what they did was in 1832, they passed the anatomy act, which allowed people to dissect bodies that were like donated. And also it made it legal to dissect bodies of like unidentified people who worked in workhouses and people who volunteered. This didn't really slow down. This didn't really slow down body snatching. What did really slow it down was in the 1880s when embalming became a thing because then you could preserve bodies for longer and they didn't just fall apart and be useless because you could really only use it for a couple days. Uh, but once you could embalm bodies, you could like look at the same body for a longer period of time. You didn't need to snatch as many bodies and everyone was happy. Yay. So, Good. Good conclusion. Everyone's happy now. Okay. Um, so now I guess people are just snatching bodies for fun and not for medicine. Ooh. Ooh. So, so there's not a, good, not a good conclusion. The you were end. going somewhere, but, but they're <laughs> okay. all people are always going to be killing people. Yeah, what? they're like that's just. Uh, for, I suppose so. <laughs> I, there's no, there's not going to be a world where people stop being crazy. That's true. Speaking of killing, ooh, Nika's going to yeah. kill on her story. It's going <laughs> to be. Filled with twists and turns and mm -hmm. creepy wax things That's will be true. ever an ominous presence. Yes, there is not just one wax museum, but two wax museums in this story. Yes. Are you kidding me? I know. I do it, <laughs> I do it for you guys. So let's get into the story. Um, this is let's a do pretty, it. It's a pretty bizarre story set in Arlington, Texas in 1987. Um, oh, 1987. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Relatively recent. We got late 80s. Whatever. I don't know what was happening in the late 80s. I wasn't born. Okay. I so, think the Indigo Girls released their first album. <laughs> there we go. There we go. We got some trivia. So Patsy Wright was 43 years old when she called her sister Sally at 3 a.m. saying that something was really wrong. She had taken her nightly NyQuil, which she used to fall asleep um, almost every night. And kind of her family and friends knew that she had this habit. And she said in slurred words that her stomach was hurting and that she couldn't breathe. And that's like weird. NyQuil isn't supposed to do that. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't be laughing. Okay. Is NyQuil that strong? Yeah, it kind of pass out with it. It's... I remember one time I like I was not feeling so hot and so I took some Nyquil but I, like I had to run an errand first so about so well not first I took the Nyquil ran the errand and I was like oh shoot I need to get back before I die <laughs> that's scary it was scary don't but do it. also this is Nyquil from the eighties so mm -hmm. I feel like it it was probably a little stronger um, <laughs> I, I was mean, born in the eighties okay so when were you when were you born what year eighty eight. Oh my gosh, this is a year before you were born. Oh, yeah. This is the precursor to Taylor's conception, this whole story. Mm -hmm. Right. Great. Well, yes, this, this means something for Taylor. Okay, so her sister, Sally, and her husband, Sally's husband, um, immediately went over to the rental that Patsy was staying in, and the door was locked, but the lights were on, so Stephen, the husband, broke a window and let Sally in. And when they found Patsy, she was unconscious and her eyes were like open but foggy, like she wasn't really seeing. And the alarm that Patsy had installed just a few months prior didn't ring, so like it wasn't set up. So Sally called the police and paramedics who arrived pretty quickly and they took Patsy to the emergency room, but it was too late. She was declared deceased at 4.15 a.m. 
Wait, was Stephen the sister's husband? Yes, the sister's husband. It's all becoming clear. I know. And it gets crazier from there. So Patsy was a beautiful, very wealthy Texas socialite and businesswoman. She was a shareholder of the Southwest Historical Wax Museum in Grand Prairie, Texas. Good for her. Oh, yeah. Which was worth $6 million at the time. Good for her. It's pretty crazy. I'm like, how does a wax museum make so much money? Anyway. Um, her dad was an oil man with this passion for Texan history. And then she and her sister grew up like super privileged. They live very sheltered lives in the South. Um, and she was easily like a millionaire, her and her sister. Um, and she was in the process of moving to the country. She had actually bought 30 acres of property and a beautiful big house that was currently being renovated. Um, she also had a, she bought this horse and a <gasps> mare and she was going to start breeding them. And she was beginning to ride in competitions and she was kind of getting into the world of fancy horse rearing, essentially. So I her life like was her or like she is me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope not. But yeah. Um, her life was going full speed ahead, basically. She loved life. Um, and this, plus the fact that there was no suicide note and her alarm, like her clock was even set for the next day. And everyone who knew her said like she was vivacious and like looking forward to the future and blah, blah, made it very easy to rule out suicide. So this toxicology report confirmed that the NyQuil Patsy took was actually pure strychnine. In oh, fact, oh uh-huh. that's a lot of strychnine. It we is a lot of strychnine. Stric- We've strychnine. talked about it. Mm-hmm. It had enough poison to kill eight people. And we've, like we said, we've talked about this before, but just to summarize, strychnine is a lethal poison that is super hard to find. It used to be found in like rat killer or like rodent poison or whatever, but even now it's not really used for that because it's so aggressive and kind of inhumane. But like even the poisons that are rodent killers, they only contain 3% of strychnine and Patsy was killed with the powdered pure version of strychnine. And it's a very, very painful way to die. Um, The victim experiences suffocation, convulsions, and a paralysis of the respiratory muscles before dying. And basically between every convulsion, there's like a moment of like no convulsions when you feel normal, but then you know it's like going to come again. That usually happens like three times before you die. So it Mm. is not a great way to go. It's a very aggressive poison and very hard to come by. Anyway, so the FBI ruled out product tampering since there were no other poisonings from the lot number of the NyQuil bottle. So it was clearly a murder, but investigators didn't really know where to begin. Like, they knew it had to be someone who was close with Patsy since the killer knew her nighttime NyQuil habit, her routine. The killer obviously had access to her products and, like, her bedside table and whatever. Like, that is just... It's very intimate. So... The boyfriend. Yeah. Well, who knows? Here we go. It's (laughs) never the boyfriend. What are you talking about? It's always the boyfriend. Never the boyfriend. (laughs) So... Patsy had been married twice, once to a man named Bill Wright. Uh, They had two kids, and the split was very amicable, and he actually was the executor of her estate in her will, so they were on good terms. And then after they broke up, she met this guy called Bob Cox, who Mm -hmm. had... Bob Cox. Cox. (laughs) He's already suspicious. Cox, okay. Who um who had initially he is already suspicious because listen, he had initially called to sell his wax museum collection to the Southwest Historical Wax Museum. And Bob was married at the time, but he started pursuing Patsy. And she Bob. was like, No, you need to break it off with your wife before we move any further. So he did. But and also then, he had all those wax figures. That's weird. Yeah, they ended up never <laughs> buying them, which is really okay, funny. Good. Yeah. So he did leave his wife, and then in 1983, they were married. And his wax museum had burned down in a fire, so basically he moved to where Patsy was. And Bob's ex warned Patsy that Bob was a gambler and that he was in debt. And sure enough, basically the moment they married, Patsy says that Bob changed immediately. He was, like, verbally abusive to herself and to her children, and she wanted to stay in Arlington until her children graduated high school, and he resented her, and, like, he resented Arlington because it was, like, a small town. He would play poker every single day at the country club he belonged to, and Patsy was paying for all their living expenses. Wow. That's fucked up. 
I do not like that. It got really bad when the IRS tried to tie Patsy's earnings to Bob's tax debt, which was in the $300,000 range. Wow. But thankfully, 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 she's very smart. She was, she's, she was a very smart businesswoman. She had signed a prenup to protect herself, and then she filed for divorce a year after their wedding. And she also filed for a restraining order a month after filing for divorce because she said that Bob would follow her and park outside her house at night. And then when questioned about this, Bob said that it was because he was worried Patsy would take his country club membership in the divorce. Oh, oh my God. Okay. Bob anyway. Cox is a dick. <laughs> Yes. So at some point in 1986, Bob stopped stalking her and just like went on to live his life. Does Sally, that just happened? You just like, I'm done stalking. I don't know. I, I'm i over it. Even I, stalkers I mean, get tired. Okay. Yeah. Empathy for stalkers. I'm kidding. They can all die. Okay. Um, Sally, <laughs> Patsy's sister, had also remarried. She was with the guy we mentioned, Steve, who Patsy liked at first. But when she found out that just a few years after the wedding, Steve spent all of Sally's inheritance, yeah, okay. she did not like him so much then. Both sisters had 500,000 life insurance policies, and they had this buy-sell agreement together. So, like, if one sister dies, the other had to use the money to buy the deceased sister's share of stock, so that way one sister remained sole owner of the museum. I cannot believe that the Wax Museum made so much money. Anyway, and it was, like, such a prized whatever. Anyway. So the museum's value had grown substantially, and then Sally got cancer. And so both their grandparents and their parents had died of cancer, so Patsy was, like, very worried about Sally's health. And more than that, she, like, recognized that if Sally died, Steve would end up with half a million dollars and, like, the shares from the wax museum, and they didn't want that. So Sally got better, but the sisters agreed to change the buy-sell deal that they had. And they had scheduled a meeting to change it, but Patsy was killed two weeks before it happened. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. So Steve was a suspect as well, and he took two polygraph tests, and the first was inconclusive, and then the second one he passed. Which polygraph tests, you don't always, I don't know, they're not very reliable, but also it was the 80s, I don't know. It's like Um, an at-home COVID test. (laughs) I guess so, yeah. It's going to give you a false positive. Because, like, things in the 80s aren't reliable. Like Taylor. I think Taylor's actually pretty reliable. Um, Thank you. There were other suspects, too. Like, there was this couple, um, Bill and Bonnie Alexander, who had sold Patsy the horse that Patsy had bought. And they were actually boarding the horse and taking care of it before Patsy moved to the country. Um, Patsy had also lived with them for a month, and she was taking riding lessons, and they were all very close. It gave me thruple vibes, TBH, but we will never know. And Bill and Bonnie cashed a check from Patsy the day before she died, and it was a $4,000 check for, like, riding and competition fees. And according to them, Patsy had given them a blank check and signed it, saying, just, like, put whatever I owe you in there and cash it. Like, it's fine. And Patsy talked to her accountant that same day that she gave them the blank check. And the accountant asked if she had, like, any big payments or withdrawals that she should know about because she was in the process of withdrawing, like, 150 k for her new house in the country. And Patsy was like, no. But I also feel like 4 k was probably not a big deal for her. And so, like, the check went through. And that's probably why she didn't mention it to the accountant. But that they were still a suspect because – People started saying that, I don't know, they, like, Bill had an affair with Patsy or Bonnie was jealous of Patsy or whatever. A bunch of rumors that actually never proved to be true, essentially. So they were other suspects. And then about 11 months after Patsy's death, the Southwest Wax Museum was destroyed by a fire. Ah, uh, just like that dude's wax museum. Uh-huh. What sketchy. the heck? Very sketchy. Initially, they thought it was an electrical short, but then the firemen found that it was actually arson. And in a matter of minutes, the massive museum was like totally on fire. It was a really big building. And also the case file was stolen from investigators. (laughs) It was like very aggressive. All the wax sculptures melted. Yeah, they rebuilt it, but obviously, like, it wasn't the same. Sorry, I was thinking of all the melted wax, like, figures. Like, that's actually kind of a cool museum, just, like, all the melt, like, slightly melted people. <laughs> like, if Madame Tussard's, like, was on fire, and then you just had, like, a Brad Pitt wax 
sculpture that was like slightly. You would love that. <laughs> I would you love would that. Absolutely love that. I'm, I'm developing a plan now. Oops. Oh, ooh, okay. <laughs> wow. Careful with some arson. Um, no, she'll just keep the temperature up so that they like kind of slowly melt over time. Slowly melt. And so it's ever changing. Like, Why is Angelina Jolie crying, mommy? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Anyway, so that wax museum burned down. We know that Bob Cox's wax museum also burned down and he was actually the primary suspect in all of this because he sued the insurance company of his wax museum that had burned down because they had not given him the money that he was owed but the insurance company believed that he started the fire deliberately because he was in terrible debt and the wax museum wasn't making any money and there was a trial that was supposed to happen 10 days after Patsy was murdered and Patsy was going to testify against her ex-husband and she knew things, and she was going to talk, despite him begging her to change her story, but she wouldn't. And he refused to take a polygraph test and was uncooperative in the investigation. But without solid evidence, uh, he was left alone, and the case was never solved. What? Wow. I am so sorry. And he died, I think, like a couple of years ago, so we'll never know. Did he die in an arson-related incident? No, I think it was just like natural causes. <laughs> Being a dick, being yes. hateful. Yes, exactly. I think he did it. I think he did it too. Out of all of the people, I think he did it. I think that Steven was kind of sketchy for sure because they were about to change that deal. So that way he was not, not going to have like the 500K life insurance policy. But I think it still all points to Bob Cox. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think the horse did it. No. Taylor's very... <laughs> Very affected and by what you just said. And $4,000 for like horse things is not not plausible. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I don't think it, it was a nice couple. You Plus, mean they should have been would... given more? No, no, no. I'm just saying like that's that seems reasonable. Like if they were boarding them and lessons, boarding her horses and stuff. Yeah. Seems plausible. Based on the evidence that that was a fair rate, you're right. I think they're fine. <laughs> so I, it's definitely I Mr. Cox. What was yeah. his name? Bill. Bob. Also, I don't know if horses would have the finesse of putting strychnine inside like a NyQuil bottle. No offense to horses. I'm just saying they don't have thumbs. They don't have thumbs. Well, Nika, thank you for that titillating story that has no conclusion. Um, <laughs> and we'll be right back. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, the Apollo Jim murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. 
Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now, the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, guys, uh, we're back with Cadaver Gals. Got one little part left about wax figures okay because i think they're pretty creepy and weird and i think it's a weird part of the world that we they have i feel like as a celebrity it probably you get either like your hollywood star or you get like a wax figure of you and i don't i wouldn't want one because what if it was bad you know no but that's funny that's true i don't know if it'd be funny yeah, I would be pretty offended. Yeah, like remember the Nicki Minaj one that was so terrible that was yeah, a few years ago. I was trying to ago? remember. There was, a, there's been a few lately. Isn't there one that's specifically for like, mu- like a museum that's like bad wax figures or something? Probably, probably. That's yeah. all of them. Okay, bad wax figures. Anyway, they're pretty creepy because uh, you know they have that like uncanny valley thing where they're like kind of human, but like mm, not exactly. Also, did they ever have wicks in them? You know, what if that was just like a really intense candle, like a really big human-sized candle? I feel like it'd be too tempting to light. Yeah, I mean, I would light it. And then the like whole Ed thing. Sheeran, just like an Ed Sheeran candle, and then just slowly <laughs> his face disappears. That I'd sounds be down. like a nightmare. Please. It is. I don't know why, but don't. that's funny. Ed Sheeran in particular. Yeah. Um, I think he recently had one revealed or something that I saw because I was looking at... I was like, yeah, I'll do research on this. But then I just looked at pictures anyway. So (laughs) um, sometimes, though, you know, sometimes you're like, hey, that look at that wax figure. But then you're like, oh, oopsie, it's it's actually just a corpse. Um, You know, and that happens. (gasps) No, no, that that doesn't happen to you guys on the reg. No. No? Okay. I feel like that would happen to you more. Yeah, I have me almost. It's a Gabby incident. It's like yeah. one, once Agreed. a week. Once a week, I'm always finding a wax corpse just lingering around. You know, is I that know. why you are the way you are? Yeah, they just find me. I don't know how. Wow. Anyway, well, okay. So <laughs> here's what happened. This happened one time, and it wasn't to me. It was in 1976, and what had happened was that there was a film crew, and they were making a movie in a fun house in Long Beach, California, okay? And so, you know, it was like a whole sort of like amusement park situation, but then the fun house had just like, you know, different type of figures and other stuff, and they are filming inside of it, and one of the people on the crew was like oh look at that wax figure that's kind of like it's it was like hanging from the gallows scene it was like an outlaw scene and he was like oh look at that wax figure we kind of don't want it in the shot so one of the crew members went over and was trying to like move it but then its arm fell off and they're like oh Uh -oh. that's so silly of us that we broke their wax figure oopsies um and then he was like, wait, wh- why does this wax figure have muscle and bone? Um, oh, no. laugh. Anyway, so then they eventually, you know, there was a moment of like, oh, shit, I think this is just like a mummified corpse that had been like had a thin layer of wax on it. And indeed... That's what it was. Um, what they did is they called 911, and as a funny joke, they were like, hey, we have a really dehydrated person here. Uh, <laughs> so they the- said that? <laughs> yeah. And then I was- <laughs> no, the time and place for jokes, people. 
I mean, the person, it was clear that this person had been dead a while. Says so, you know, us who has a podcast called Cadaver Gas. Guys, everyone's so gauche except for us. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. Yikes. So they came and they're like, okay, yeah, this is a dead person. So then what they did is they took the body over to the medical examiner and they're like, hey, what the, what the heck is up with this? And the medical examiner using science and stuff was able to determine that this person had died via gunshot wound, also had had tuberculosis and, you know, also had bunions on their feet. So they didn't have like good feet. Like these were toes you probably didn't want to be sucking on. Um, also, okay. okay. I mean, also, he didn't really have fingers anymore because um, at some point it seemed like they had been probably knocked off post mortem. And yeah, so he had like a thin layer of paint on him and a thin layer of wax. And they also determined that he probably died maybe somewhere between like 1905 and 1920 because they determined that he was specifically shot with a bullet that was like used during that time, which I'm like, oh, oh that's God. cool. That's that a cool long time. That, yeah. So he that is a long time. He was chilling. Yeah, he was just chilling. So, oh, another freaky detail is that they found both a penny from 1924 and also ticket stubs that had been stuffed into his mouth from a sideshow called lewis sunny's museum of crime so that's so weird why would they do that because i feel like i do that to random shelves like if i have extra random stuff that i don't want to throw it away but i also don't know where to put right now i'll just put it like in a shelf but a man's mouth is not a shelf maybe it was like (laughs) a good luck thing i mean a man's mouth is not a shelf i mean it could be (laughs) oh my god a man's mouth is not a cupboard (laughs) Sometimes it's a shelf for dad ass, depending on what's going on. But, you know, maybe it's a good luck thing of like, you know, people do weird things like, you know, in like Florence, Italy, they have this big sculpture of a pig and you like rub the nose for good luck or you throw the coins in the fountain. Sometimes maybe putting your stick ticket stubs in a dead man's mouth is good luck. Your stick just feels so niche. I don't know. But uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, this was like the Midwest. So or not the Midwest. It's more of like the. The Midwest that's below the Midwest, like Kansas, Oklahoma, whatever that's called, where all the square states are. I thought you said we were in California. We were in California, but there's more. He's been all over the place. Okay? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Wow, so what? world traveler. Ooh. So the thing is, like, this side show that they found the tickets from, that was in Oklahoma. Or that was in Kansas. Wait, which one was it? It's one of those. One of the square states. They're all the same. But they d- <laughs> But they determined, uh, using all of this evidence, that this guy who was dead, he was an outlaw named Elmer McCurdy, okay? And Elmer McCurdy had been a dead man who had been on display for decades at, like, various places. And what happened was they thought that he was, like, he was, well, he seemed like he was a really shitty outlaw, and he died in 1911 in Oklahoma because he tried to do, like, a train heist to steal, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But then he heisted the wrong train. So <laughs> so instead, he only got – it was, like, a passenger train instead. So he only got $46 oh, instead no. of, like, you know, $300,000. Oopsie. Uh, wow. Train. Expectation ver- versus execution. That's yeah. really sad. I feel yeah, bad and then, for him. Well, he was really sad about it. So he went, like – drank and was like laying in this hay loft thing and just like being sad and emo but you know the police were still going to try to get him so they like had a two thousand dollar warrant out for him so then they found him in the hay loft and they were like hey bro like come down you robbed that train and he's like man i don't want to so they had a shootout for like an hour and then he got shot in the chest and he died so then they took him over to this like funeral home and this guy like embalmed him and did all this work to make his body look like slightly better. But then he was mad because no one paid for his services. So what he did was like, well, if no one's going to pay for this body or like claim this body or like pay me, I'm just going to, you know, prop him up and put him on display and you can pay a nickel to see the outlaw dead body. Oh my gosh. And it became a very popular date spot. Okay. And a lot of people went and it was a big attraction and a lot of people approached him being like, Hey, can we have this body to put in our sideshow or whatever? And he was like, no, 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 you can't. That's weird. Um, I can only profit off this body or his family can come and claim him. So like five years later, these dudes approach him and are like, hey, we're this guy Elmer's brothers. Uh, We've come to claim the body. And he's like, "Okay, here, have it. But they weren't his brothers. They were just these people who had a... Did you do any fact-checking on these guys? They didn't. No, they didn't. But they they had a carnival in Kansas and they wanted to put him on display because, you know, he was a hot commodity 
So they got his body. They're like, oh, yeah, we're taking him back to California. But like, no, they're taking him to Kansas. And so he was on display there for a little bit. His body was on display as um, the outlaw who would never be captured alive. And then in 1922, McCurdy was bought by another dude or this whole like these two, the two brothers, their uh, whole operation was bought by this other guy. And then he displayed McCurdy with some other like wax replicas of other outlaws, which I think at this point, I'm like, it's really unclear whether or not they knew he was like a real dead person versus just like a, a wax figure type thing. Anyway, but then that guy, he, the guy who owned that one, he died. So that dude's brother lent out the body to a filmmaker who was making a film and they used his body as like a display in the lobby of this theater um, just to like promote the film and then they were like okay we don't need this body anymore so they put the body in a Los Angeles warehouse and then another filmmaker used it for like a display item and then also used it in a film and then that's like in the 60s and then this guy who owned the Hollywood Wax Museum he bought the figure but he didn't like it on display because he said it wasn't lifelike enough Oh my god. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Which is pretty funny. And then it was finally sold to the amusement park where he was found. So he was just like going all over the place, you know, on display. Um, and then finally in 1977, they put him down to rest in a plot in Guthrie, Oklahoma. So that is the long journey of Elmer McCurdy, who is more successful as a dead man than an outlaw. Oops. That's crazy. Yep. So just know that after you die, you could, you know, it's kind of like a Van Gogh situation. Like, you know, he wasn't successful during his life, but afterwards he's a monumental artist. And Elmer McCurdy is the same thing as Van Gogh, basically. So yeah, sometimes, you know, maybe in a wax museum in the future, you just got, is that a wax figure or is it a man who's been dead for 40 years, you know? Ask yourself that every single time you go into a wax museum now. Yeah. Every time you see a wax figure, is it a corpse or is it, is it Ed Sheeran or is it dead Ed Sheeran? Yeah. And Ed Sheeran has, is like the lizard man right now. Like that's the Ed Sheeran that is moving around. The dead Ed Sheeran is actually the wax figure. Yeah. Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Yep. Well guys, this has been another episode of Cadaver Gals. Um, your your news source for people who have died. So I truly hope we are not your news source. We are no. news. This the up to date news on things that happened thirty two thousands of years ago. Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk at you next week. Bye. Pew pew pew. Cadaver Gals. Cadaver Gals is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. It is hosted by me, Gabby Watsnika Duarte, and Taylor Church. And you can find us on the internet, on Instagram or Twitter, at Cadaver Gals. Pew, 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 pew. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, the Apollo Jim murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. 
I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.